So, Malcolm, one of the reasons I was very excited to do this interview with you was yeah. firstly because you're a fellow Scot, but also you're, you're a rugby fanatic. Mm. And I understand you're very much involved um, in, in refereeing with the SRU. Could you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, no problem. I mean, like an awful lot of referees, I, I went into that side of the of the sport because I, I was too injured to carry on playing. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and actually, I found very quickly that I enjoyed it much more than I actually enjoyed playing uh, because you've got the combination of the physical challenge and the mental challenge. Mm -hmm. You need to be up with the game, but you need to make the right decision and you need to make it quickly once you get there. Um, <clears throat> So I had a, I've had a, a career of more than 20 years of, uh, of uh, running around blowing the whistle and yeah. by some people's measure of it, spoiling rugby <laughs> matches. Um, but uh, again, you know, as agent, agent uh, injury catches up with you and whatever, I've, I've now had to transition. Uh, I'm no longer fit enough to keep up with the, the, light, the type of game that I would like to be refereeing. Uh, and uh, like all referees, I'm not quite as talented <laughs> as I hoped I would be. Um, so I've now moved into into coaching and I'm coaching within the SRU structure uh, and I have to say I'm finding that incredibly rewarding so working with some of the up-and-coming referees to try and just um, hopefully make them a little bit better and uh, push them upwards hopefully towards you know maybe even international work or whatever. And what are the types of things that you're helping them develop? Are you, are you helping mm. them to make um, you know decisions under pressure is it about the? Mm. I mean, obviously, there's a technical side to refereeing, but there's also yes. a mental side. Yeah. And it's about preparing for the match and also how you perform during the heat of battle, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think really the approach I've been taking with the, the referees I work with has been to focus primarily on on getting them mentally prepared for the games that they're going into. Uh, I mean, all of them, without exception, are more talented referees than I was, um, and they're fitter, they're faster, and they're they're operating at a higher level of the game than I was able to do. Um, but using my business background and my you know, experience of people, um, then I'm, I'm working with them to try and make sure that they are going into a game with the right mental attitude and with the toolkit that means that when the pressure comes on during a game, they're able to keep themselves in the right mental space so that they can make the right decision and again to make it quickly and accurately um, and then working very closely with them afterwards to help them self-analyze. So a lot of the coaching is actually helping them to, to develop themselves more than it is me uh, you know, passing on pearls of wisdom. And surely yeah, there's definitely a crossover for for the commercial and the employment world, when, you know, when you're preparing people to go into negotiations, to analyze post-negotiation, what did we do well, what did we not? And do you think yeah. you've become better in the commercial space following your experience as a, as a rugby referee coach? Yeah, I mean, I actually um, felt that uh, even while I was working as a trade union negotiator, I felt that what I was doing on the rugby pitch was actually very much helping me in terms of my mental attitude towards the negotiations that I was going into. It's definitely been helpful in terms of the mediation sphere because you have a discipline of being um, impartial um, and, uh, not, and not getting excessively emotional about the the issues that you're involved in and you're making quick and accurate decisions you're having to adapt to circumstances in front of you so both in terms of negotiation and in terms of mediation I think it's actually been very very helpful in terms of the way you know I, I use my mind when I'm in those situations. I understand your, your work as a, as a referee <coughs> coach has taken you all over the world mm. um, whereabouts have you have you, have you worked? 
Um, well, most recently, I'm just recently back from the Czech Republic, um, where uh, I took a, a small group of uh, referees from the Edinburgh uh, area um, who were refereeing a match over there, which I, I, I was coaching the referee with. But then I did a development session with some of the Czech referees uh, as well. So that was that was very good. Um, probably more exotically, in December, I was in I was in Barbados, uh, where I was the coach assessor for the Barbados World Rugby Sevens, uh, which was very very enjoyable as well I have to say and um, just before we go on it'd just be good to to get a bit of more back uh, information on your background and and your training experience yeah I, I've been involved in training I suppose ever since I was uh, working as a zoologist I used to uh, used to train people on how to identify plants and animals and things like that as part of that job uh, but I suppose the main thing where I got into the training was actually when I became active in a, a trade, the trade union movement uh, and as a full-time negotiator uh, where I was the the lead person in delivering uh, training and for union reps who were covered by our Scottish office um, and that built into into uh, developing and and uh, running courses of my own under my own business. So it was a, an easy stream through from there. I understand you recently did the um, Cedar Mediator Skills Training, and as somebody who was already a very experienced practitioner, how did you find mm. retraining as a mediator with Cedar? I found it absolutely fascinating, actually. Um, I mean, one of the things is I don't think you can ever be overtrained and overqualified because you learn from every situation. Uh, like just like you learn from every mediation as long as you reflect back on it and that's certainly one of the things that the training uh, builds into you is to the discipline of reflecting back. The CEDAR training I thought was particularly useful for me because it was based around commercial mediation and my background and my experience as a mediator is primarily in uh, workplace and employment mediation. Uh, so to get into an area that was slightly different meant that I was having to stretch myself a bit. Uh, and as soon as you're stretching yourself, you're much more likely to learn more. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, and I think the wealth of experience that the trainers had mm -hmm. um, was just wonderful in actually helping me to embed that. And going back to your career a bit, you've had a very interesting and varied one as a trade union negotiator, mm -hmm. working in the land management sector, mm -hmm. and now with Strathess doing uh, mediations, training in the employee um, relations space. Mm. Um, is there one um, skill that you've developed over the years that you think has stood you in good stead and helped you in these very mm. different and, and complex situations? I think probably the key one is a bit of lateral thinking um, because you know when you've got a varied background to draw on, the, the experiences you have aren't necessarily directly relevant to what you've got in front of you. But if you can do a bit of lateral thinking and sort of think, mm, right, well, that worked in that situation. Maybe it'll work in this one. So being able to think on your feet and, and, uh, and, and come up with an alternative solution. Uh, although I suppose, I mean, part of that also comes from having a discipline of being open to a solution that presents itself uh, as, as well. And an awful lot of people do close themselves to solutions too early. Okay. And, and looking specifically at your time, your time as, a, as a trade union negotiator, mm. what is it that's needed to achieve success in this field? Oh, that's a very, <laughs> very interesting question because trade union negotiators are an extremely variable group of people. Um, they, they, are, they all have different skill sets. They all have different attributes. And to be honest, that's 
partly why it works. Uh, it's a bit like cedar, actually. You know, you look at the the composition of of uh, you know cedar uh, nego or cedar negotiation trainers or cedar mediators. They're all quite different to each other, uh, and actually that's part of the strength. And I think having the confidence in your own personality and uh, and you know, and your ability to actually think through problems, I think is is part of it. Um, in the trade union movement, you obviously have to be um, sometimes robust and sometimes soft. Mm -hmm. So you know you need to be able to vary your approach depending on the situation that you're looking at, um, and you also need to be quite persistent. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all things that actually overlap quite uh, quite strongly with mediation as a as a discipline. And I can imagine that field on, on a number of occasions you encounter, encounter quite entrenched parties and and deadlock is. Is quite a, a common uh, feature. How is it that you would go about breaking deadlock when mm. it occurs in that field? Um, well, I think the key to breaking deadlock is making sure that everybody who's sitting around the table understands what their own interests are. And I think that's something an awful lot of negotiators forget about um, when they're going in. What, what is in my best interest is not necessarily the same thing as what I want. Uh, and actually getting everybody around the table to understand what is in their interests, then getting them to understand what is in other people's interests. And once you're talking about interests and needs, then perhaps you can start to find some, some, uh, some options for, for a solution there. And I was speaking to my colleague, um, Philip Williams, before we were mm. doing this session, I said, what's yes. the one thing that you would ask Malcolm about his um, mm. trade union negotiation experience? Yeah. And he says that, he remembers having a conversation in which you said that you've worked with both sides of, mm. of the dispute, with both parties, yeah. and that you think there's a real value mm. in upskilling both sides to have a better negotiation. Mm. Is that right? And could you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm quite a strong advocate of um, what I would describe as management staff partnership. Um, and uh, the value that people can get or organisations can get from the knowledge of their staff and having a good mechanism for accessing it. So actually when I'm working on that kind of area, delivering training with an employer or whatever, or particularly training in uh, negotiations, I like to do that with both sides of the, of the, of the equation. Um, partly because um, what we're talking about is really a long-term relationship. It's a relationship that needs to mature. And if it's a mature relationship, then what they get from that is the ability to disagree in a constructive way. Um, and that instead of having an argument, they have a discussion and they start to explore solutions rather than simply focusing on the problems. I mean, one of the, one of the key points in terms of all of that is that every organization I worked with staff in, the staff's interests are almost exactly the same as that of the management because everybody wants to work for a thriving organization. Uh, a thriving organization can afford to pay better terms and conditions and is usually going to be a better employer. So actually, you're talking about developing something that could be to the long-term benefit of the company, of the staff and customers and everybody who's part of that company. And is it also when 
individuals are upskilled and they're able to approach negotiations in a more mm. constructive way. They're able to, as Phil would say, or and I'm sure a lot of the negotiation trainings here, expand the pie, mm. sort of find out where you can create value that where perhaps it wasn't mm. apparent when you first looked at the dispute or the problem. Absolutely. I mean, I think part of what it is, is actually knowing where to find out the information. Uh, because if you go into an, any negotiation under-informed, then you're probably not going to come out of it with what you perhaps need to come out of it. And as I said earlier, one of the things people often go into under-informed about is, is what their own interests are. Um, but actually, if they can get the proper information, then actually they can explore a wider range of solutions. Uh, and, and actually, then you can start to apply a bit of the lateral thinking. And actually, it may be that, for example, um, if I was negotiating with you, I might be able to identify a solution that delivers your interests that you've never thought of. And similarly, you might be able to do the same for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, if we're getting both of our interests met, even though they're, they're by ways that we hadn't thought of in the first place, that's still a very successful outcome to that negotiation. Okay. And if you had one uh, negotiating top tip that you would share with people and you think that is so fundamental, and, and, and fundamentally quite basic that you would share with people, what would it be to, to help have a, a more successful process? Um, I would say keep asking questions and keep listening. Uh, because the more you ask questions, the more you listen, the more you understand what's driving the person who you're negotiating with or the people who you're negotiating with, and the more likely you are to be able to identify a solution. Of course, that does depend on them doing the same with you, so that's where that maturity of the relationship comes in. Listening skills you talk about, the active listening skills is, mm. is fundamental that fundamental to everything that CEDA teaches, whether it's negotiation training yeah. or mediation training. Um, and from what I understand, that skill set is transferable to, to almost any situation when you're engaged in, in, in conflict. Um, absolutely. Well, and even when you're not engaged in conflict, because actually, you know, asking questions and listening is one of the best ways to avoid going into the conflict. Uh, and, and actually, that's where the real maturity comes in, particularly employment relationships, uh, is in the ability to listen in such a way that you solve problems before they become a dispute, before they become an argument. Malcolm, thank you very much for, for talking to us today. No problem. Thank you.